From Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. Then he went down to Capernaum, the town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before the ball and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what is this teaching with authority and power? He gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. And Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God so that the other towns also, to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is God's word. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Uh, let's ask him for his guidance. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, your spirit would be leading us, it would be uh, quietening and directing our hearts so that we would hear what you have for us this morning, that we would not be distracted from all the things that try and pull us away from the good news. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Concentration has become a lost art in our culture. Everywhere we look, something is trying to grab our attention or divert us from what is most important. Distractions are all around us. Many of you, I'm sure, and this isn't a confession, but it sort of is, uh, many of you would know the feeling of having a lot of work to do in your office. And when you go into the office, you will know what is most important. But as you set out to achieve those goals, it's often amazing how distracting all of the things around you can be. From the book or the magazine that you may have left on your desk last time you are in there, to quickly checking your emails. And then when you finally settle down to get some work done, to really focus on what is most important, it's amazing how important it can feel to take out the bin in your office, to clean your desk, to get rid of all that mess that's been there for months. Distractions are everywhere. Have you ever been pulled out of a deep thought or a time of confusion just because a mobile phone rang or made a 
B, to let you know of something that was completely inconsequential. Have you ever been distracted from prayer by the most insignificant noise or distracted from reading your Bible by the newspaper, the radio, mobile phone or TV? There are distractions all around us and these distractions are constantly trying to compete for our attention. They are constantly trying to distract us from what is most important in order that we fix our gaze on the trivial. When my girls were little, when they were toddlers, they, like most toddlers, used to think Christmas was a pretty exciting time, but for a completely different reason to what they do now. Back then, when Tamara and I would give them a present, they would often be captivated by the wrapping paper or the box. So captivated, in fact, that they wouldn't even care about the present that was inside. They were happy with what they had in their hands because they couldn't imagine how good the gift inside could possibly be. This world, filled with, uh, with all sorts of distractions, we too can act like toddlers. We can often become so distracted by the things of this life that things often feel like they're a lot more important than they really are. And often, without even realising it, we can start to ignore the amazing gift that we have been given in Christ Jesus because we've been captivated by the box and the packaging. Have we become too comfortable in this world? Have we been distracted from the unsurpassing blessing of knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord and Saviour? Have we been distracted from these things by the trivial things that were designed to pass away? Has the lure of watching just one more episode on Netflix or reading one more chapter in that gripping novel caused us to neglect God's word? Are constant mobile phone notifications, emails, text messages causing you to find it hard to pray? Or is that new toy, that project or that hobby taking our focus off Christ? Has busyness, tiredness, sickness caused us to settle for something less? In this morning's passage, we're being reminded that the good news of Jesus is much better than we could imagine. But sadly, we struggle a lot of the time to even imagine how good it could be. We often get distracted by the box and the packaging and we think that's so good that we tend to focus on the trivial and miss out on the good news. So let's get into the passage. In verses 31 to 37, the people of Capernaum are amazed by the power of God's word. Now, there's a little bit of comparison that we'll be doing between how Jesus was accepted or not accepted in Nazareth to how he was received in Capernaum. Last week we saw Jesus travelling through Galilee and preaching the good news of God. And we heard how the people of his own hometown in Nazareth had rejected him. They had refused to meet God on his own terms. 
But by the time we get to these verses, he was way down in Capernaum. And just like in Nazareth, Jesus went in and visited the local synagogue on the Sabbath. And there he preached the good news of the kingdom of God. Now it's interesting that in Nazareth, Jesus was rejected by his people because he spoke with authority. He spoke as one who had God's authority. But here in Capernaum, they were amazed by it. Not amazed and offended like they were in Nazareth, but it seems to be a positive kind of amazement at his the authority that he spoke with. Now, interestingly, in verse 33, it tells us that in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. Now, this seems to be an indicator of the spiritual condition of those in this particular, particular synagogue, that the teachers of the law, those, those who were reading God's word, could read it and not provoke this demon. But when Jesus, who is fully man, fully God, but totally without sin, began to preach the good news of the kingdom of God in this place, the evil spirit was provoked to action. And it cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And as it did this, Jesus sternly rebuked the evil spirit, commanding it to be quiet and then to come out of the man. And even though the evil spirit threw the man on the ground, he was restored, he was totally whole and unharmed. Sometimes when we read these passages, it can be easy for us to forget that this was a real man. This was a real historic event. This was a real man who had been possessed by this demon beyond his own will. It was controlling him. This was quite a scary thing. It would have been a scary thing for the teachers of the law and the Pharisees to behold. It would have, they would have realised how far beyond their power and their control this was. And so not surprisingly, all of the people were amazed and they wondered among themselves, what is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about this amazing healer spread throughout the entire area. That brings us to verses 38 to 44, where the people of Capernaum were captivated by signs and wonders. Now, as Jesus left the synagogue, it was quite a different experience to what he'd had in Nazareth, his hometown, where he'd been pushed, driven out of the town and they tried to throw him off a cliff. This time in Capernaum, Jesus was asked to go to the home of Simon rather than being forced out of the town. And Simon, you might, might recognise that name, who would later be called Peter, was a fisherman, which we're going to hear more about next Sunday as Jesus calls the first lot of disciples. But in this morning's passage, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a very high fever. Now, this probably wasn't an early version of the coronavirus, but she was very ill. 
And so Simon had asked Jesus to help her. And as Jesus looked at her, he performed the most unorthodox medical procedure. He leaned over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her instantly. And we know this because Luke tells us that she got up and began to wait on him straight away. Now these verses aren't trying to connect viruses to evil spirits. They weren't saying that she was demon-possessed. But it is displaying Jesus' power over his creation, his ability to drive out sickness, to restore, to make whole. And just as news about how Jesus had healed the demon-possessed man in the temple spread quickly, so this news must have also. Because it wasn't very long after this that sick people were lining up out the front of Simon's house, keenly hoping that Jesus would heal them. By this time it was was on sunset, it was on dusk, the sun was beginning to set. And as Jesus laid hands on them one by one, he healed all sorts of different sicknesses. Now there must have been quite a large crowd of them because Jesus continued to do this all the way through to daybreak. And as Jesus did it, he also healed more who had demon, were demon-possessed. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, well, they were utterly powerless to fight against these demonic forces. But in the presence of Jesus, they were completely powerless to stand up to him. And so as, the, as Jesus healed these people through the night, he must have become quite weary, quite tired, because we have to keep in mind that Jesus was, is fully God, but he's also fully man. And so he would have been quite tired by this point. And so as the sun came up, Jesus did what any man would do, and he went away to a quiet and solitary place. He went away just to get a little bit of space and no doubt to pray to the Father. But when the people realised that he wasn't there with them, they went out looking for him. And when they found him, they tried to keep him from leaving. Now this phrase is very important for us in understanding their motives, how they had received Jesus. The people in Capernaum seemed to have been welcoming to Jesus when he was in the synagogue. They seem to have been pleased to have this amazing healer among them. They recognised his power and his authority, but they tried to keep him from leaving. They tried to keep him for themselves. We see that they really didn't understand how good the good news of Jesus really is. They were happy with signs and wonders, with the box and the wrapping paper. They did not want the show to end. They didn't understand how good the good news of Jesus really is, how it is bigger than their experience in the right here and the now. And that he, Jesus, had to take this good news into the world to share it with all mankind. And so Jesus told them that he had to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns, as well because that is why he was sent by God the Father. And even though the 
people of Capernaum didn't outright reject the good news of Jesus like the people of Nazareth had done, they seem to have missed the significance of who Jesus is and they become more interested in employing him as their local physician, healer or doctor. They confuse the eternal good news of the kingdom of God with mere glimpses that they are experiencing as Jesus revealed little pieces of the kingdom of God to them. They could see his power and authority, but rather than submitting to it and rejoicing in it, they tried to tame it by making him stay. They've been given a glimpse of how good the good news of Jesus is, but sadly, like we are often tempted to do, they were distracted by temporal blessings and were left longing for more. They lost sight of the eternal hope that can be found through the good news of the kingdom of God, the hope that can only be found in Jesus. Last week, as we saw Jesus entering his hometown of Nazareth, we saw the danger of not accepting God on his own terms because they refused to accept Jesus just because they had seen him grow up. They knew the carpenter's son. This morning we saw Capernaum welcome Jesus with open arms. But sadly, they became distracted by the glimpses of the kingdom of God and lost sight of the real thing. They lost sight of the eternal hope that this good news really is. That it's much better than the here and now. Now John Newton, the former slave trader, who by the grace of God came to know Christ Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And through the gospel and through the power of his forgiveness changed this world, the world we know it forever. He once wrote these words that I'm sure we're all very familiar with. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Can you remember the moment you came to Christ? Do you remember the feeling, that feeling of incredible clarity as nothing else in this world seemed as important as this good news? I don't think I need to tell anyone who's been walking with the Lord for some time how hard it can be to keep that feeling, that knowledge in the foreground when so many other things in our lives are always trying to distract us. It's so easy to get caught up in our day-to-day lives and to lose sight of the infinite glory of Christ. You often hear Christians say, just in passing or in conversation, God is good. And you usually hear them say this when something has gone their way, when God has answered a prayer the way that we expect him to, the way we want him to. But God is good regardless of whether life is going our way. God is good if he chooses to heal us now. And God is good if he chooses to wait till eternity. 
God is good if the path he chooses for us is far different from the path that we would choose for ourselves. The good news of Jesus, likewise, is far greater than we could ever imagine. The good news of Jesus is far greater than any kind of health plan or any kind of of get-out-of-jail-free card. It's far greater than prosperity and wealth, any kind of temporal blessings we might experience. It's far better than youth and beauty because all of these things will pass away. The good news of the kingdom of God is a news that will never pass away, joy and hope that will never fade. As Simon, who we read about in this passage, who would later be called Peter, wrote, after he had seen Christ's glory for himself, after the Holy Spirit had opened his eyes to the truth of this news, after he ripped open that present and saw the good news for himself, he wrote these words. Christ, in his great mercy, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us. So this morning, as we reflect on how precious this grace appeared to us on the day of our salvation, may we not be distracted by all the things that try and pull us away, that try and take us, take our focus onto things that are passing away. And may our faith not be blessed on what God can do for us in the here and now, but on what God has already done for us through Christ Jesus. Because the good news, the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus is far greater than we can imagine, far greater than the here and the now. Let's pray and give the Lord thanks for the good news, Jesus. Lord, we confess that each one of us has so often been distracted by things that we later can see to be of very little value. So often, Lord, we desire things, we put all of our energy into chasing things, only to realise that they could never give us the fulfilment, the hope and the contentment that you can through Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray for each one of us this morning, Lord, that you would direct our hearts to you, that it would help us to remember the clarity that we once had about the good news of Jesus, that it is so much better than we can even imagine. Lord, we thank you for the hope we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you that it will never perish, never spoil, never fade, that no one can ever rob it from us because you are keeping us, that we are sealed by your Holy Spirit through faith in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we pray that throughout this coming week that you would help us to keep our eyes on Jesus and to put away those distractions so that we might 
bring you all the glory and honour and praise that's due your name. And we pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.